I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, welcome to Rediscovering Gandhi, Mint's five-episode series to mark the 150th anniversary of the birth of Mohandas and Kasturba Gandhi. Yes, that's right, they were both born in 1869. In this episode, we'll be talking about the particular and peculiar role that the railways played in Gandhi's life. We've also done a graphic novel on it. Do take a look, it's up on livemint.com. The trains were almost like a backdrop to the most important events that shaped Gandhi's thoughts and personality. If you're in a railway station today, you'd see those rimless Gandhi glasses plastered on the sides of trains and all sorts of reminders for Swachh Bharat. That's a campaign inspired by Gandhi. But really, the insides of trains haven't changed very much since Gandhi rode in them decades ago. He described third-class carriages as overcrowded, filthy, neglected by railway authorities. He wrote, Every time you walked on the floor, or rather cut your way through passengers seated on the floor, you waded through dirt. You don't have to make the kind of cross-country trips he did to know that's true even today. It wasn't just the dirt. Gandhi was quite dismissive of the railways in general. He spent two entire chapters of Hind Swaraj on what was wrong with them when he wrote that in 1909. He said, Railways accentuate the evil nature of man. Yes, those were his exact words. Much later, after independence, he talked about how ticketless travel would ruin the economy eventually. That was during a prayer meeting in Delhi. So I think it's not overreach to say the railways were on his mind a lot. That's understandable. He spent hours of his life on trains, reading, writing, answering letters. For someone like Gandhi, who was never really alone, train journeys probably gave him uninterrupted chunks of time to think, read, write, pray, reflect. Even today, the Grand Trunk Express from Delhi to Chennai, which, by the way, is exactly 90 years old this year. That's another anniversary for you. Well, anyway, the Grand Trunk Express from Delhi to Chennai takes close to two days. Imagine the time it would have taken in the 1920s or 30s. That was about five days. That's a lot of time, and Gandhi definitely used it well. Trains also brought people closer to Gandhi. In fact, you might know that he and Kasturba spent about six months travelling around India by train after he came back to India for good from South Africa in 1915. They'd lived in South Africa for over 20 years and run passive resistance and satyagraha movements. But back in India, they felt they needed to get to know people in places again. So off they went. Pune, Delhi, home to Porbandar and Rajkot. They went to Shantiniketan to meet Tagore. They went down south to meet the Theosophists and leaders of the Home Rule Movement in Madras. So many, many places, even to Rangoon, and all of it third class. Gandhi first started travelling third class in India in 1901, when he was here on a break from South Africa to meet Gopal Krishna Gokhale and the Indian National Congress. He had many complaints then. Crowded coaches, noisy passengers, spit-covered floors, unclean toilets. Maybe we shouldn't go any further with this. But at the end of all that travel, he did say, I feel all the richer and stronger in spirit for the experience. 
that could be because it was probably one of his early experiences of meeting people from all classes and castes in India. As we all probably know, Gandhi was not born wealthy, but he did not lack anything either. He's from a family that had served as prime ministers in the Katiawad states in what is now Gujarat, and it was a family that observed caste and religious practices strictly. So it seems like it was train travel that really opened up his eyes to discrimination, inequality, oppression, and the experiences of people not as privileged as him, even those dirty railway coaches. We're all familiar with the fact that he went to study for the bar in London, tried and failed to set up a practice in Bombay, and then headed to South Africa in 1893. Then, at Peter Maritzburg Station, Gandhi was pushed out of a first-class railway carriage, despite having a ticket because he was an Indian. He'd noticed the entrenched racism before, but this incident is what made him hold meetings with more Indians in South Africa. Not just the rich merchants who hired him, but also the poor indentured laborers. He learned what it was to be an ordinary Indian in South Africa, what it meant to be a coolie. Remember he said that he read a lot on trains? Well, he sat up all night once in a train from Johannesburg to Durban, reading John Ruskin's Unto the Last. It's the book that shaped his ideas on dignity of labor, on satyagraha or peaceful resistance with love at the core of it, and sarvodaya or the good of all for the good of the individual. I can just imagine that. The clackety clack of the wheels, Gandhi huddled over a book with a lamp, lost in those pages. He'd write later, I arose with the dawn, ready to reduce these principles to practice. And that's what he did for the rest of his life really. He put his principles into practice. So that's it for episode 1 of Rediscovering Gandhi. For more on the subtle ways in which the railways influenced Gandhi, you must take a look at that graphic novel that we've done. It's called Mahatma's Journey and it's on our website livemint.com. I'm Shalini Umachandran and I'll be back next week with a special guest and an episode on the very public life of Gandhi and Kasturba. You can read more about special coverage on their 150th birth anniversaries on livemint.com. Thanks for listening. This was a Livemint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.